Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verses 11 is my mandate this evening. And I'm going to preach a sermon entitled, The Power of Opportunity. The Power of Opportunity. So this evening is sort of an instruction I feel God has given us for the season to propel you to set this law in motion. To set this law in motion. Because in the year, as God has spoken to us this 2024, as it is the year of priestly consecrations, as God consecrates our altars, I say this year, our altars must speak. Hallelujah. You know, there are people with altars that don't have eyes. There are people with altars that don't have ears. There are people with altars that don't have a mouth. So that means they carry flames that are not functional. They live in the shadow of things. And living in the shadow of things is one of the most disturbing or breaching things to the spirit you know the bible speaks of how a man can breach the spirit somebody can disturb the spirit when we talk about people who have disturbed spirits are people who live in the shadows of things whose substances they can behold but can never get the full expression of them the bible says uh of jesus christ how he is the substance while others behold shadows. It's a very deep teaching there. Very deep teaching there. Every experience of God's glory is an expression of light. The Bible says that which manifests is light but shadows exist where certain figures are illuminated by light so wherever there is a light there's a potent shadow so the bible speaks of having a shadow of things to come but the substance the body is of christ some people live in the shadow of things some people live in the shadow of things. And that's one of the biggest deceptions in the faith. If we're talking about how Paul says that I fear least by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve by the subtlety of his mind so he should uh, corrupt you from the simplicity which is in Christ. Sometimes the devil has been so fervent in impressing vision on shadows and men losing the 
substance of the body, which is Christ. So somebody can actually say that is Jesus, but they have a revelation only of the shadow things, the shadow of things, not the substance thereof. That's the womb of all counterfeits. It's the womb of cloning things. It's the womb of cheap copies out of great originals. It's the womb of all delusion. Because a man appears to see, but cannot touch, test concerning the word of life. So when John says that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have had fellowship with, that which we have declared, tested, handled concerning the word of life, he says, we declare unto you that you have fellowship with us for our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John never spoke of shadows. He affirmed the experience of realities that they had touched, handled. The Bible says that which we have handled, that which we have touched, seen with our eyes, have looked on, our hands have handled of the word of life. So there's a very deep sermon there. When you learn that, you know the difference between the spirit of a prophet and the spirit of divination. You get it? Because divination is the shadow. It's the counterfeit of things that appear real, but they're not of the body. They carry expressions of the body. Everything the body does, they can do. But they are not the body. You get it? So somebody can be sure that they are following God, they have heard God, they have had a vision of God, but they have a false experience and that is why we emphasize the foundation of the word because if there is one thing that is true from the ages past until the end of it all it is the word of God he says heaven and that shall pass away but the word of God shall abide forever that one is fixed the word became flesh so you can't behold the body if you don't see the word. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his only glory as the glory of the true son of God, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. So I pray by God that we understand and see the heart and the spirit of the text I'm going to read tonight. Very famous scripture. I have told from it, but there's something I felt in my spirit that I've not really taken time to teach. And that's what I want to touch today. The power of opportunity. Let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 11. I want to read with everyone here. One, two, three, let's go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh the wise, uh-huh, neotriches, men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to them all. Time and chance. He said, I returned under the sun and I saw something phenomenal. 
that the race is not to the swift. In other words, seven people can run on the same field, different lanes. And out of the seven, there's an individual called X and he is the fastest. And the gun is raised in the sky to the count of three and they set off. The scripture says, X being the fastest, you'd think that all the laws of natural justice would advantage him. And as they're running, a random individual called Y runs and runs and runs and something called time and chance happens to him as it has for the rest running on that track. But for him, it gives him such a momentum that his feet get supernatural speed. And at the end of that race, why is the winner? Everybody knows that X is faster than Y. But that day, Y is the winner. He won the gold medal. And the man of wisdom here, remember, I've said this a couple of times, that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes at his most mature time of life. Song of Solomon was when he was younger, had just experienced God, and then he gets into the Song of Solomon to introduce us to intimacy. If you want to understand intimacy with God, you read that book in its context and revelation. Proverbs, the middle-aged man, is seen things, made mistakes. He can sit his son down and say, my son, stay away from this. My son, it's not wise to go here. My son, stay away from strange women. My son, do this and that. My, he's speaking to a son, but he's a middle-aged man. And in Ecclesiastes, he's at the end of life. He's speaking both with the rigor of experience. And you can see it in his language, the expressions of maturity. There's a way mature anointings talk. They're not necessarily old, but they are mature. You know, there is such a thing as mature anointings. You understand? There is such a thing as mature anointings. They're not necessarily in old vessels, can be, should be in older vessels, expected to be in older vessels. You follow? But he is speaking in the one experience, experience of life having tested certain things that the wisdom God gave him by gift could not teach. And now he has attained a wisdom that can only come by experience. By experience. That's one. But also too, he's speaking with a God-given wisdom. 
that which he received through that vision of the night when he was asleep in the night, in the dream of a night. God gave him wisdom and a heart of understanding. So he's speaking with that gift, but also the experience of maturity. In Proverbs, it's a little there, but not as full as Ecclesiastes. Okay? In the earlier years, most of it is simply the gift. And I learned by God that there are wisdoms the gift can never teach you. There are wisdoms that you can carry by the experiences that you have with God. Hallelujah. By the experiences that you have with God. It's like one day I'll share a story. I'm praying to God you'll give me the grace to, to share it. But it's like when we're growing up, we had a fear of death. At one point, everybody has a fear of death in life as you grow. Some of you are even afraid to imagine death. Okay. But I remember one day, I'll share it one day fully. I had a very interesting experience where God took me to heaven. Took me to heaven. And I walked, I saw, I experienced things. I, after some time, he, he brought me back in my body. He said, now do you still fear death? I understand why Paul says I'm torn betwixt. I understand. I understand why John was taken to that place and comes back to his body. He said, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You see, but that comes through a certain experience that the fear of death flees. Now, I know why Paul says death weighs your sting. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There are people who still doubt, ah, but does heaven exist? What if we're just believing things and then tomorrow we reach there and then yeah, we've knocked? Sorry if you're not African, you didn't get this. There's just no other way I can explain it. It's one of those colloquial expressions. Now listen, some things come through experience. There are things God will take you through and show you that when you're speaking, you're not speaking from the wisdom you know but from the wisdom you have experienced. Are you following what I'm saying? This man is speaking from experience. He's saying that the race is not to the swift. He says the battle is not to the strong. Two men can go in a ring boxing and there's a man who is more skilled, stronger, and they start boxing. But something opens up in that realm that advantages the weaker man. And you're saying it is true for how men get bread. And he says it's not according to wisdom. I was always a rich fellow. I knew. When he spoke, you'd ask yourself, how is this guy rich? Have you met people like that? Oh no, maybe let me come to where you are. I ever seen a man dating a woman? And you're like, but how did he? How? Do you understand what I'm saying? You look at the ninja and you're like, eh. 
how did this guy learn this? Do you get what I'm saying? You'd think, mm, this woman doesn't have test. No. She has test. But somebody leaped into Ecclesiastes 9.11. <laughs> Not everybody promoted at the certain job X was the most qualified and smartest. I met a young man. He's working at the airport. He has a very top position there. Then he tells me one September day he's watching a sermon and he had applied for a job that you'd have to give maybe a master's degree holder and he's a, a diploma holder. And he applied you're not putting your papers there and you're not even sure why you're putting them there. So he put his papers there. That's the guy testifying. I, I met him the other day at the airport. I said, Apostle Grace, they called me. Uh-huh. Apostle Grace, you don't get it. I say, they called me. What do you mean? That when he went to the, he was already intimidated. You sit with a guy and his CV is like an encyclopedia. Putting on a tie, smart. You're just, and there are men who look like hmm, managers. Some people look like managers. There's a there's a managerish body. Maybe some of you have never seen it. It's like when you say apostle. There's an apostolic body. I cannot express to you the disappointment sometimes people find when they just say you look bigger and older on TV. Because when they finally meet me in the flesh, I'm a smaller man. So that you see them disappointed. I tell you the truth. One day I went to preach somewhere. I entered back in those years. And this usher took me very well in the back. Hello. <laughs> so, and trust me, I don't tell them I'm the preacher. I went where they were taking me. So I sat comfortably. So the guy who had invited me called, sends me a message. Why are you? I told him, I'm here seated in the back. Oh, you should have seen. Oh no, that's how I do it. I just wanted to see how it would all play out because I also wanted the someone out of it. Uh -huh. Haven't I preached it? You see? <laughs> Hallelujah. The Bible says there are three things that tremble the earth. Four, the Bible says that the earth cannot bear. That it's possible for a servant to be a king. It's possible. So not everybody is where they should be. And not everybody who is where they are fits the criterion or credential of where they are. But, Ecclesiastes 9-11 works. Let me tell you something. For as long as you are on the earth, this law is set in motion. That not every rich man has the understanding. Not every man with favor has the skill. There are people who are skilled in certain places. Or certain fields but they don't carry the favor to attract the kind of business they need 
And then they hire a man with a very shabby performance and they choose him over some individuals. Now, when the Bible says that the rest is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, bread to the men which are wise, yet richest to men of understanding or favor to men of skill. And he says time and chance happens to them all. Understand this. The Bible has said, number one, let me tell you your position. Let me first tell you your position. The Bible says that you shall be the head and not the tail. That's the inheritance of a believer. Deuteronomy 28 verses 13. He says, and the Lord shall make thee, uh-huh, he shall make thee the, now, definite article. He didn't say a head. He shall make you the head and not the tail. Thou shall be, answer me, thou shall be above only and thou shall not be beneath. That's the inheritance of every saint. If we are in a race, it's regardless of how fast you run. He has said, Deuteronomy 28, 13, should command things for you to be the head, to win, to excel. That advantage every child of God has to be the best in any field. Every Christian, child of God, born of the Holy Spirit, I want to pronounce to you, you have the ability, the God-given potential to be the best in your field. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter from what family you come from or your education credentials. You can and have the grace appointed by God for you to be the best. Somebody say it from your spirit and say, I am the best in my field say it again i'm the best in my field i can imagine that businessman that has just said that statement i can imagine that lawyer that has just said that statement now somebody might ask me but i'm a lawyer and my neighbor is a lawyer and we've both said we are the best and i'm saying the earth has enough space for both of you and no no but i also have like seven lawyers who have confessed it on the same ground and oh yes all of them can be the best but the earth has space for everyone who calls on God to remind of that promise. I rest tell people up there is a huge vacuum because the space above is always bigger than the space down here. Now, let's just say man learned how to build in space. Can there be a time where space can be overpopulated. Do you know how many miles are up there? You need more than 360,000 kilometers to get to the moon. You have millions and millions of miles away of space up there. But the earth is finite of space. You see? So that's why we tell Christians to live above. Who has understood that? That's why we tell Christians to set your eyes on things above. In other words, live above. I live above the systems of the world. Uh -huh. 
I'm totally relied on your word. Uh-huh. No matter what may come my way, no matter what I face, it's you, you, you I live for. Sing it again. I live above. Sing it. That's confession. The word and totally relying on your word. No matter No matter what I face, it's you, it's you, it's you I live for. I live above. Living above means I don't compete with anybody. Living above means I live in a realm of infinite possibilities. It's like recently I was teaching in the masterclass of ministers and we were studying why statistics are showing that 40% of the world's resources are controlled by the Jews, Jewish blood. 40%, yet they're only 1% of the population. So there was an ultimate question, why do they control that much, yet there are very few people? When you study Jewish philosophy, there's many principles that they apply in building wealth. Several of them I've taught, but let me tell you one of them. The Jews believe that wealth and money are infinite resources. They're not finite. And they have foundations from Scripture. They can teach you from Scripture that actually wealth is not finite. It's infinite, right? So is money. Money is not the total amount of money, like they would say that on the earth, there are 426 trillion of money. That's IMF. Oxfam reports and the rest. Peter came to Jesus and told him we need to pay taxes. Jesus didn't borrow from the coffers of Caesar. He told him, go and look into the mouth of a fish. You will find their money and go and pay taxes for you and me. Those coins found in the mouth of a fish were not swallowed. Those coins were not printed in Caesar's coffers. That money came from another source and entered Caesar's money. I believe with every ounce of my being that God is still in the business of distributing wealth from unexplainable sources. This might sound foolish to those that are listening to us, but that's how the gospel sounds. It's foolishness to some. But to us, it is the power of salvation. It's the power of God unto, actually, no, unto salvation. These are the things that save us. Preaching of the cross is an amazing experience. May I pray that may God give you wealth that governments have never planned for or even seen. Oh yes, in Jesus' name. The Bible says, 
I shall give you the treasures. And these treasures, it says, are from hidden places. <laughs> oh, am I preaching to somebody? He says, I will give the treasures of darkness and riches, hidden riches of secret places. Secret places. Not the central bank. Secret places. Hidden riches. Treasures are in the dark. There is no light. There is no safe. But they existent somewhere for the children of God. To build a kingdom. To do good on the earth. That's why I tell you. When you work, work hard. Because we have a mandate to this world. If you're to study, study hard. Whatever you do, do unto the Lord. Because our mandate is bigger than just driving nice cars and living nice houses. No. To leave a legacy that will last. For hundreds of years, the Egyptians favored, or actually Egypt was of advantage, yielded forth its fruit and substance to the Jew because of the anointing of one man called Joseph. The seed he planted in the spirit that commanded preservation for the posterity of his people. That preserved the next two, three hundred years later because one man believed God. You can be that man for your household. He says, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. That means your children won't beg. The Bible says, for it is God who gives us power to make wealth that he may establish the covenant that he made with our fathers. There are people God agreed with long ago for me. That he looks at them and remembers the promise he made to them and releases a few things. Somebody say, I connect to that. Yes, that is bigger than your pay. It's bigger than the money you're going to earn as profit off that contract. It will come in many ways that you're not able to explain. But one day you'll find yourself richer than her. I don't know who I'm talking to. Than you can explain to the glory of God and expansion of his kingdom. And don't feel sorry for being successful. It's the destiny of every person to be a success for God. For God. For God. Hallelujah. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? Back to Ecclesiastes here. He said time and chance. The word there Hebrew for time is experiences like I mentioned and I've taught about that but I've never really taken time to speak about that next word called chance pega, pega, the Hebrew meaning a happening, an occurrence an opportunity when you tell somebody I got this job by chance what do you mean? that an opportunity was given me unexplainable an unexplainable opportunity was given to me. That's chance. An occurrence that is unexplainable happened to me. It's a chance. It's not something that I worked for. In fact, if you study Pegah, the root word there is Pau Ga, 
where the pega comes from and pauga means a light shined upon me so experiences in god and a certain light upon you happens and the one with a brighter light wins hallelujah you remember when Job is speaking in 29, Job 29, the Job 29 experience? Every man should have this experience in their lives. You have time and read. But you see, the Bible introduced Job as the greatest man in the East. He was the greatest. Oh, la pobre de Gazanta. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Job, the Bible says, was the greatest of all men of the East. Yet in his greatness and wealth, God was still boasting of his righteousness. So some people think that when you're great, when you're wealthy, therefore you're not righteous. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Job was both. Bible says he was the greatest man of all men in the East. And in Job 29, he explains. But when you study this intricately, he explains what made him great? The elements that heaven deployed for his advancement and advantage. He says in Job 29 verses 2, when now he's afflicted with boils, he has lost his wealth and his children. He now reminisces in retrospect and remembers that time and recognizes something was different in his life. And this is what he expresses in Job 29. He says, all that I was as in the months past, as in the days when God preserved me, how? When his candle shined upon my head. Great opportunities met my potential. <laughs> Don't underestimate the power of opportunity. The Bible says that the candle of the Lord shined upon his head when by his light I walked through darkness. That light, God, that lights upon you to make an occurrence, to create certain opportunities, to put certain events to fit your gift. The Lord told me, I'm going to open a door for you in West Africa. And West Africa is going to invite you. And he told me a lot that you'll see in the coming years. And then, I don't ask God how things are or shall be. I have an understanding not to ask those questions. I lean in and yield. So I started to position myself spiritually and I will share that. Anyway, few invitations came in during that time, but the Lord told me that's not the invitation. That's not the invitation. Now, a story is spoken. Some of you have seen it before or heard about it. A lady somewhere in the UK is watching me on one of those little short videos, 30 second videos. And then she sends that 30 second video to a wonderful man of God. And this man of God switches on these 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Opened West Africa for me. 30 seconds. Some of you think you need years and 
two hours to make your presentation. That the guy said he watched just 30 seconds. And he said, we need this man here. He didn't inquire about my background, where I first prayed from, who was my mother, who was my father, what did I study, do I have this, do I have that? He put me on that old. Because 30 seconds had a light upon them. Opportunity. Shake somebody and tell them opportunity. This is there I said our altars are going to speak and open the opportunities that we need in Jesus' name. Shout amen. 30 seconds. An occurrence. Something unusual will happen. Anybody could scroll through, but those minutes, those seconds, had a certain light on them. And they were enough to open up a whole nation. When the hand of God is with you, you don't need so much to be introduced. And that is why I'm praying for some of you because you have the product, you have the potential, you have the ability, you have the anointing, you have the grace, you have the grit, you have the commitment. You are a better worker than many people I know. I pray in the name of Jesus that may God announce you. May your opportunities open. I pray that may your spirit seize, capture the opportunities that are already laid ahead of you for your advantage. Hallelujah. Psalms 18.44 says, As soon as they hear me, they shall. May they hear your name and turn. May they hear the name of your company and turn. May they hear the name of your business and turn. May they hear the name of your contract and turn. May they hear, just hear and obey. According to what God has placed on your life. This is 2024. This is the testimony. Your testimony for 2024. By the end of this year. You will testify and say. The things that were closed for years. The things that were closed for months. The things that I had gotten promises of for over decades. And they had been frustrated. This is the year. My altar spoke. And they opened up to me. If you believe it shout Amen. Some of your businesses went a bit back because of COVID. You lost. You have debts in the bank and all these things are chasing after you. You lost that job. You lost that contract. This is the hour I have prayed that God announces you afresh. 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 You look like you had never started. Supernatural speed, supernatural ability, supernatural momentum is yours. If you believe it, say, I receive it. Opportunity. Opportunity. So Job said, the candle of the Lord was upon my head. Something was shining on me unusual that caused things. He says, when they all had me, they blessed me. He says, when I entered the room, princes stood up. He said, after speaking, men's tongues were cleaved to the roofs of their mouth. They couldn't speak anymore. Because my speech went over them as the dew. 
washed his steps with butter and the rock poured him out rivers of oil. He was functioning under certain anointing. Why should you go to a contract and bid and lose? You are a believer with a covenant. You shouldn't. He said time, experiences, and opportunities, occurrences, happenings will advantage you. Something will happen unusual and they should prefer you. That is why preparation is key. That when they choose you, you have the right tools, you have the right skill, you have the right ability to deliver in Jesus' name. Shout amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Romans chapter 1 verses 10 Paul expresses to the church one of his prayers give me the message version he says in my prayers which is practically all the time he said I ask him who God to clear the way for me to come and see you what's clearing that way opportunity in my way I ask God always so there were doors that were closed even on Paul the apostle. Paul, the man that laid three quarters of the New Testament. Sometimes he had utterances, graces, revelations revealed unto him. But certain doors were closed to him. Paul. So opportunities open doors. You get it? I mean, you heard of Paul saying, pray for us that God may give us doors of utterance. Because it's one thing to carry all this revelation and not be able to communicate it. In Galatians, he says, how I went up by revelation and preached unto them the mysteries of God, but firstly to them of reputation, lest I had run my race in vain. In other words, if I had not gone to submit my message to those of reputation as a principle and pattern, the opportunity to be able to reach the Galatians would have been denied. Because some things, some people can deny you the opportunity even when you carry the grace and the potential of a thing. There's somebody right now hearing me. Somebody's about to sign your promotion letter. But there's somebody saying, mm -mm, no, 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 no. Eh, 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 eh. May God remember this prayer this evening that there be no hindrance in your promotion. Because the devil can work through people to frustrate even when you are the best. I remember in my formal employment when I was a banker, there are people I saw, I knew, had great potential. And then they would hire people with less skill and experience. Not because the HRs were wrong, but there was a light that shined on certain individuals above other individuals. I tell you, that's why in the world there's something called naive meritocracy. This is something philosophers, you know, psychologists, and all seekers of truth have now come to the realization that not every man or woman advantaged in the face of the earth is advantaged because of merit. That's why they coined this word called naive meritocracy, that they had started to, to see a tendency of certain promotions, graces, progresses on certain individuals that quite did not match their credentials, quite did not match their pedigree, quite did not match 
their qualifications quite did not match their age their color their connections their background they, there's just certain things that never used to agree and don't get me wrong here that's how christianity is supposed to be you're supposed to have things that don't look like you it's the only way it's the only way we can preach to this dying world that there is a god above who works among men and is not subject to the laws and the principles of this world it's not subject it's not subject it's not subject there has to be something you do and people can't explain how you do it let them call you names let them accuse you of anything. That's okay. But you will look something that only heaven can explain. And I tell people, it's okay to be misunderstood. If whatever misunderstanding you've caused is by God. Can I say it again? It's okay to be misunderstood. If whatever misunderstanding that is caused is by God. Some of you would rather be understood and miss out on God's best. The rest of us those I'm talking about didn't come. The rest of us, and they're not watching either. The rest of us, we would rather be misunderstood and have God's best. Shout amen. Shout amen. So Paul tells you, even I, an apostle, with all the message and mandates that are placed on my heart and spirit, there are things that held me back and I found myself practically praying all the time going to the father saying father open the opportunity that opportunity that opportunity that opportunity to go to Rome that opportunity to meet these Gentiles so it's no wrong thing for a man to pray that way with thanksgiving you make your requests you see he taught us how to pray so he said father I thank you because the opportunity to go to the US has come to preach the gospel the opportunity to go to this place to go to Malaysia to go to the Philippines to go to oh my god I saw somebody sent a testimony from is it Karakao people watch from that far are you following what I'm saying father I thank you for the opportunity to go to DRC no amen you see When the angel appears to them, he only tells them the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia. No! <laughs> Some of you are deceiving. It's not God speaking. But whether you're in Mali or Lesotho, wherever God puts you, if it is God, tell your neighbor, you go. So Paul prayed for it because he understood the power of opportunity. I have also learned by God that you can resist or reject the opportunity granted by God. God can give you an opportunity and you reject it. I've seen it, seen many people rejected. In my years of ministry, I saw people reject offices. In my years of ministry, I saw people reject positionings, positions in the spirit. In my years of ministry, I saw people reject assignments. I saw people reject correction. I saw people even reject wisdom. Wisdom can be taken or rejected. But the opportunity can be extended for wisdom to come to you in person and say, let me teach you who God is. And I've seen people reject the way of wisdom. I just might not have time to show you. 
how because people just don't say I've said no 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 that's not how they say not to wisdom but I've seen people reject wisdom scriptures have showed us especially when you are in the way of grieving the person of the Holy Spirit of, of not knowing how to yield the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 if you read that scripture in Amplified Version he says my people are destroyed for a lack of of knowledge because you he says the priestly nation have rejected knowledge i've seen people reject knowledge either deliberately or ignorantly because certain things are not yet formed in them to discipline them to some order to yield even where there is offense or godly discipline They cannot submit to anything. They can't yield to divine order. They are not disciplined with anybody. Even the wisdoms they would have received from their bosses, they could not receive them. They were not respectful enough to keep quiet when the boss was correcting them. And the boss realizes, ah, this is a person who is dead to counsel. So next time, I either give them a warning letter or I dismiss them but i'll never talk to them as a parent talks to a child some of you the only reason why you're not promoted is that reason you abuse the voices of counsel that were around you your father can't talk to you anymore your boss can't talk to you anymore your husband can't talk to you anymore he'd rather give that wisdom to another person not you because at one point you sniffed or scoffed at wisdom. Pray to God that he gives you a heart of discernment to know when he's speaking through people. Because these people who God uses are imperfect beings. Imperfect beings. If he can make a donkey speak, even a drunkard on the road can communicate to you. If you're humble enough to hear. The Bible says wisdom is on the streets. What does that mean? It can sit in a cobbler repairing your shoe. But you must know when God has spoken through a cobbler. Some of you are going on prayer mountains to pick the wisdoms in cobblers on the streets. And God says, uh-uh, Alice, you're in the wrong place. Leave that mountain and go on that street and sit next to that cobbler. I will teach you wisdom. I'll teach you wisdom. And God will use anybody. They don't even need to be born again. The other day I met a man, he's Indian, he's in his 80s, 80s, I think, late 70s, 80s. And the man started to speak. And he says, I don't know you well, but this is what I see. And the man started to speak things. God has only spoken to me. He's not a Christian. He just started to speak. Late 70s, 80s, early 80s. And the guy started to speak things I have heard God tell me. He says, I don't know you, but this is what I see. And he started speaking has blown away. Okay, I had God through an individual like that. Some of you take people for granted. The person that has the key to your promotion may be seated next to you every Sunday. But you reject wisdom. Because you carry no discipline to hear God through all means. If you were in the times of the Israelites, how would you hear God through a rock? How would you hear God through a rock? 
could you know God through a rock? But he said there was a rock that moved with them. And Sam just saw a stone. But when Paul sees that place, he realizes uh -uh, this rock was spiritual and that rock was actually Christ. It was the anointed one. The rock was the anointed one himself. But some people saw it as a rock. It was simply a rock. Are you following what I'm saying? The Bible says somewhere in Proverbs chapter 1 verses 20. He says, wisdom cries out. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She cries in the chief place of concourse. In the openings of the gates she's crying. In the city she uttereth her words saying, how long ye simple ones will you love simplicity? And the scorners, you see, they love simplicity and they carry a scornful spirit. So when you read the Psalms where he says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. To scorn is a very deep thing by God. Some of you scorn even without knowing. You sit in the wrong counsel. And sitting in the wrong counsel can cause you to reject wisdom. There are places a woman should not sit when they're discussing a husband. There are places a man should not sit when they're discussing his wife. There are places you should not sit when they're discussing your boss. They're just places. Why? Because there's a reason in spite of all that is happening, God appointed that man as your boss anyway. And God says here, it doesn't matter whether the boss is right or wrong. He's your boss. And I committed him for your care. Here you're wrong. I'm not saying the boss is right, but you can be wrong even when you are pointing on something right because not everything right is true. You get it? Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand why Aaron and Miriam have a problem with God? Because God is saying to them, no, the way I talk to Moses is not the way I talk to you. Why are you not afraid? In other words, he expected them to have the wisdom to be afraid. But they rejected the wisdom to be afraid. And I know those people who are like that. They say, I don't care. <laughs> who does she call herself? Tidui, boss, boss. Ah, who cares? She's also flesh and blood. No. No. All power is given by God. Your mother is not just a woman. Your father is not just a man. All powers, the Bible says, are of God. Let every soul, the Bible says, be subject unto higher powers. For there is no power but of God. And these powers are ordained of God. And the Bible says that he that resisteth the powers, resisteth God. Eh? God, when did you tell me to comb my hair and I didn't? When your mom told you to comb your hair. <laughs> When your mom told you to comb your hair. Like, oh, mom, I don't mind my hair. It's like this. You see what I'm saying? Somebody said, God help us. Now, he says, how long will you simple ones love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge? He says, verses 23, uh, 
turn you at my reproach. That's Proverbs 1, verse 23. Turn you at my reproach. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you if you turn. Because, verse 24, I have called and you refused. I gave you an opportunity. I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have set at note all to nothing. The word there note is nothing. All my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes upon you. I'll also laugh at your calamity. Wisdom will laugh at your calamity when fear comes upon you. Why? Because he said there was a point he gave you an opportunity. Verses 24 called you out and you refused stretched out his hand and did not regard those are some of those things I read and I pray for myself before I pray for you yeah 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 because we're all a work in progress we're all a work in progress God that I don't miss you that my heart will stay wholly fixed and aligned your purposes that when opportunities open to me I should know when heaven wants to do something in my life that I should not miss my seasons and my times that I should not take or esteem lightly the opportunities God has given me for my advantage for my progress because anyway they are always for good such prayers should be in your closets. Some of you are asking, car, 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 Lord, car, Mercedes Benz, Lord, Mercedes. No, no, no. This should be your prayer. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And that is why I realized positioning is key. Positioning is key. It's one of those distinctive elements to aid the seizing of your opportunities, to help you catch the opportunities that are ordained for you. Positioning is key. I preached a sermon on that, on positioning, didn't I? Huh? Look for that sermon on positioning. It will help you. But let me help us understand something. And remember I gave that story of Isaiah. That at one particular point, heaven is planning to do some assignment on the earth. God has a mandate to fulfill on the earth. And Isaiah positioned himself one day in Isaiah chapter 6, where he found himself in a conversation of God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He was in the heavenlies. He wasn't invited there, no. But he understood the power of positioning himself. And he positioned himself at the place and time when God said, whom shall we send? At that particular point, that's why I told people, some assignments, some mandates are not accorded to particular individuals. Some mandates in heaven are not exclusive. They are not exclusive to particular individuals. I know that there are men and women God has ordained, no doubt for that, for exclusive mandates to say this is the person I have deliberately chosen for a work. But I've realized that there are certain works in the counsels of God that are not subject to point 
to one man or woman and say, this is the one I want to use. There are some which are simply open invitations for those who understand the power of opportunity. Places that only available men can connect to. There are things by God you can never earn. You can only position yourself for. And neither can never be given to an individual for course. See, when it comes to mandates and assignments, they are vast assignments within the assignments. They are vast mandates within the mandates. That's why God separates the chosen and the called. Because only chosen vessels understand this. Only chosen vessels understand this. You see what I'm saying? Look at a man like David. Just study a man like David. He has a mandate one day as an assignment as a king. But why do you think when David enters places where priests enter, he doesn't die? We always knew that when you enter places where the high priest entered, a man was stricken white dead. But why does David stand in the office of an assignment and God does not strike him dead? Because sometimes there are mandates within mandates that are accorded to certain individuals by reason of their positioning with God. Are you following what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? David was more than a king. He was a prophet. David was a prophet. How many of you agree? David was a prophet. He stood in the office of a prophet when he had to stand in the office of a prophet. Not all kings were prophets. But David was. You see what I'm saying? So yes, you can be an apostle, you can be a teacher, a pastor, a business person, whatever God has called you to be. But there are also deeper assignments. And some are not given to individuals. Some are given to men and women who know how to tarry. Who know how to feel after God. That they might seek after him. If peradventure they will feel after him and find him. There are people, not everybody serving God feels after him. But there are people who feel after God. There are people who capture the heart of God in such a unique way. To be a king and to build a temple was another work, isn't it? But Solomon was both king and the chosen vessel to build a temple. But David wasn't chosen for the temple. You get it? God does not run out of assignments. Isaiah in his place was already a prophet doing the work of the prophet. But God said, above this work, there's another man I need to send. For a mandate bigger, you think he was the only prophet on the earth? There should have been other prophets during that time as well, delivering divine oracles as the Lord had given them dictation. But in this instance, he said, this one is for those who are able to come, come up thither in the book of Revelation. They are able to come to the invitation and receive these opportunities. And he said, whom shall we send? The man said, send me, Lord. Isaiah expresses that he's not as qualified as he should be. But to God, it was not important 
how qualified or how unqualified he was to God it was important that this man had been positioned right you see what i'm saying but there are two things that are important for you to understand this principle called position two merits the merit of service and the merit of covenants i never want you to forget those two things the merit of service and the merit of covenants and i have found this for a fact there could be more but these are as far as the lord has showed me according to the things i hear by him that i've seen this pendulum swing either from a place where a man has learned how to serve right or a man has learned how to appropriate covenants most especially it's or is both it's a marriage of two men who understand service and covenant usually a position right i have met men who speak of covenants but of whose service they can't give in truth can see and have the experience of the covenant with god but they don't respect neither can they apply themselves to the discipline of the process the patterns that are given to fulfill their part of the covenant but i've also seen men who love and know the place of service but are not serving in covenant you see what i'm saying when you get in a place of learning how to practice covenants you must reconcile those two things the place of service to define the patterns and the course that you must follow in fulfillment of all the requirements of the covenant that you have with God because every man or woman used by God has a special covenant with God everyone they might not have its expression they might not have its language and they don't need to be on the pulpit like me they can be a simple christian lady running a farm a couple of miles away but she is in the perfect will of God and she both understands the place of service and understands the place of covenant that kind of person cannot be subject to seasons and times as the world calls them and knows them they're not subject to the systems of the world they're not subject to the rudiments paul called them the rudiments of this world they're not subject hallelujah somebody he said if any man serve me him with my father honor but how will he honor him only give him a job and a car and a house no he will honor with mandates also and assignments depending on that service now and i'll give you two people to see that elisha and david let me give you those two examples and they both share the same thing when elijah is certain that there are no more prophets in israel the scriptures tell us he's hiding and god tells him there are 7000 men which have not bowed themselves unto baal they've not renounced the name god opens his eyes to another dimension the prophet the horseman and chariot of israel was blind to so it's possible to be the horseman and chariot of israel the ultimate prophet of a nation and still be blind to certain experiences in god elijah is the example and i pity those prophets who convince the world they see everything sometimes it's proof they don't see everything Elijah was sure if you're calling prophets he was the prophet he was sure there was no prophet left in Israel 
God told him, brother, there's 7,000 hidden which have not bowed unto bow and every mouth which hath not kissed him. In that statement, 1 Kings 19, God opens his eyes. He moves out. And where was Elisha at that point? The Bible says Elisha at that point was plowing in the field service. He was plowing in his father's field. Evidently, you could see that this was a man still under his father's household. Because when they cast a mantle on him, he says, let me first go and kiss my mother by. Let me go and say bye and bid my mother and father by. Meaning, he was still a man under his father's household. He needed their blessing to leave the field. Wisdom. You see? This was a man in his father's field. A mantle falls on him that none of the 6,999 carried. Are you following what I'm saying? Positioning. Where did it find him? Serving. Where was David the day God prompted Samuel to anoint the next king? Every son that day of Jesse was available. I don't know that I still think it's coincidence. But I have known God long enough to know that there are no coincidences by him. There is always a pattern that is defining for those who are able to see the hidden instruction. And you see everybody available. They are calling Reuben. He's available. Judah, everybody's available. Isn't it? And then they tell him, but there's one more fellow. He's keeping sheep. He's keeping sheep. He's keeping sheep. It found him positioned in a place of service. It was in the service for his father that the opportunity opens for him to take food to his brothers. If that day David had not done something to prepare that meal, perhaps he would not have had the opportunity to face a Philistine. But it was in the place of service, he was the child they could send. And his father tells him, you know what? Take food for your brothers. You see what I'm saying? He takes food for his brothers, loaves of bread and corn. And they tell him, ah, he's a champion of Gath. His brothers know that this skies just our young brother, the one who helps around. So there's another our young brother. He's he's cleaning. He's the guy who helps bring food. Imagine the victory of Israel is in the hands of a servant. Are you following what I'm saying? He's bringing food, but he has come to give victory to Israel. It found him serving. But also, when you study David and study Elisha, you realize that these were also men which understood the principles of covenant. You can see it by the covenant that God makes over with Elisha at the passing of Elijah. You can see the covenant that David has with God as a man with God's heart. These two work together the place of covenants and service.
It's not enough just to know how to serve, but without understanding the covenant under which you're serving. But it's also not enough to have this covenant under which you're, you're submitting yourself to, but you are not willing to serve the process as required on your part. And I've seen if a man can reconcile the merit of service and the merit of covenant, that man is rightly positioned. That's what they call positioning. Never forget that. And some opportunities will look like death sentences. <laughs> some. Some opportunities will look like death sentences. I repeat. Because imagine this little boy, 17 years old, standing before a giant. It was like a death sentence, isn't it? But that's when we realize that this is the place where he has to evoke the covenant. Am I a dog? Look at this little small thing you've brought to me. I'm going to kill him. And David says, who is this? And that's covenant right there. That's covenant right there. That's a man who knows covenant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the Lord? To the Philistines and Israel, his brothers, I can imagine what? I think they're saying, what are we going to tell our father? But he says, you come to me with sword and spear and we the shield. But he says, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies, whom you have defied. He's defied the God, the Lord of the armies, by assuming that an uncircumcised man can defeat a man which is circumcised, in other words, of covenant. In this instance, it was not Oh, now you understand why the Bible says that the battle is not to the strong? Ah, ah, ah. Okay, who has understood it now? The battle is not to the strong. Because there was a covenant evoked here that it doesn't matter how powerful Goliath was, he was going down. He was not going down because of the precision of the man which carried the sling, but because of the covenant that could direct and had the power to direct that stone to go where the man had said it was supposed to go. It's not by power, not by might, but by the Holy Ghost. That's why he said, you are going to do things. And people look at you and say, how in the world did she do this? How in the world did he break through and you'll tell them I returned under the sun and I saw that the race was not to the swift the battle was not to the strong it's a time and chance and the light of God is shining on my path shining upon my head his star is so bright on me that I execute with ease what you thought was going to be complicated for me People who understand the place of service and covenant amaze by the things God does through them. They will always be ahead. They'll always run faster. They'll always be more favored. They'll always be wiser. They'll always be more advantaged. They'll always be exempted in the places where others can't be exempted. Doors will open for them that can't open for anybody. They'll enter places 
that their education could not take them. They'll enter places that their credibility cannot take them. They'll enter places that their past and history cannot explain. They'll always stand before doors and those doors will open. Opportunity. They carry the key that opens those doors. It's called opportunity. You'll never explain their wealth. Because they don't build by the merits of men. They build by God. Now I want you to raise your voice and speak to Jesus. Zile kele bada zumbra de gatalapa. Ropozo bogo zigalapala de gozebro rogo jirebo sakatalapa. Open your mouth and pray. Waliwe chise chinondola. Chene unya Okuvo buto wange mukama Omukono gongu labye Echi se chinondola Echi chitanganyera kukwa Chechi se chochene kula chintu seka Pray Waliwe chise chinondola Chene unya Okuvo uto wange mukama Omukono kongu labye Echi se chinondola can you speak in other tongues? Can you open up a few things? Can you appeal to the power of opportunity? Can you seize your opportunity? Can you speak in your next week, in your next year, in your next month, in your next season in the name of Jesus? Speak into your marital destiny. Speak into your contracts and business. Speak into your education. Speak into your ministry. Ratapakatala pala telebrade. Kataya budiga zombra ketelepada. Come on, open that door, open that door. I feel the grace that opens doors. I feel the grace that opens opportunities. Opportunities the key, and I see it in your hands. That job is coming. That promotion is open. That advancement is open. Progress is evident. God will cause kings to come to your rising. Gentiles are coming to your light. Strangers are serving you. He's reminding those that forgot you. Somebody is looking to cast an opportunity and you are the name coming to their head. You're the name coming to their heart. Oh, 
this evening that every door that is before you you shall walk to and you shall find open in the mighty name of Jesus that God has set people ahead of you from today to advantage and advance your cause in the mighty name of Jesus that your altar speaks in places to vindicate and justify to be your advocate where you're not able to speak and I declare and I declare that in your businesses in your career in your ministry at your workplaces you shall indeed be the head and not the tail when they think to promote they'll think about you when they think to award they will award you when they think to advantage they'll think about you when they think of progress they'll remember you when they think of favor they will remember you I decree and I declare that nothing good of God shall be withheld from you you shall not be slow you shall not be slackened you are restored if you have suffered any loss in the past in Jesus name I pray and believe give him a mighty hand of praise this year you're doing big for God this week you're doing big for God this month you're doing big for God the worst has already happened the best days are ahead of you if you believe it shout amen Hallelujah. 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 I'm excited. Touch your neighbor. Two of them and three and tell him my future is so bright. I need glasses. I need shades. Tell him. Turn the other one too and tell him my future is so bright. 
I need glasses. I need shades. Hallelujah. Now, let's do one last thing, the most important thing. And that's the place of souls. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're there and you said today I want to be born again, repeat this words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised for my glory. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me to receive your Lordship. Today, I take you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.